to say, yes, sir. And then the Bible goes on to say, eh, hey, if you are obedient, you are calling the Bible, Alaba Shake Bredo Sokolo. Hey! Hallelujah! Ah, no, let's do this thing. Give me First Peter chapter 3. I feel the anointing to teach this thing. The light, if the light goes on, it's not enough. It's not enough for the light to go on. The Bible says the light shines. It shines. No, my light will not just go on. No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, no, no. It's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side, at arm's length. Where has he put them? Somebody shout it under my
What do you call it in your language? Chisomo. Anyone else? Some languages you are not very confident to share. Because it sounds like you are taking us back to the law. <clears throat> I learned a word. It sounded like a Greek word. Uh, unity. Chigulisano. Or something like that. I mean, that sounds like Hebrew or something. Don't use that word. It's too deep. You know what I'm talking about? It's too deep. There are some words which you, um, you just learn. I've been here for five years and about that much. And Nyanja has just been, have just come back. I learned a new word this week. And it sounds like, it sounds like, like you're angry. That's what it sounds like. I've heard it before and it always feels like someone is saying that you're angry. Oh, vomeraka. <laughs> Someone's like, you're, you're, you're even angry. I'm like, no, no, no. But finish a vomela. You know what I mean? Like, why is it? That's like the nyanja with the Tonga accent. It's deep. You know, like, that's the one. Can you imagine a word like that? Vomela. Like, ah. Uh, <laughs> When someone is coming to you, <laughs> telling you in a vomit, not here, not here. I'm not ready to fight. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Maybe I should just stick to Bemba. And you know, it, it, it's, um, I could be working on a number of songs and I realize it's hard for me to write a full song without something Bemba in it. Just, just deal with it. I won't, and, um, how can you, how do you write a full English song? That's the question I'm trying to learn now, you know. So, and then there was one song I was writing, it's got like five verses. You have to make sure you've got a very good Bemba dictionary to understand. It's a nice language, you know what I'm talking about? It communicates thoughts, you know. You know. So, anyways, growing in grace. So, we'll be looking at um, how to... Um, how to increase in grace. But I want to show you something. I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse 14. It's a famous scripture. I would, I li- I would like to acknowledge everybody that is visiting us for the first time. You're very welcome to the household of faith church. Um, my name is Pastor Daniel, and I'm the resident pastor. My wife is right there. She will be coming to greet you. Just to welcome everybody. See, she, I'll, I'll ask her to come up at, at a certain time just to greet you. She loves you so much. 
I know because uh, we are neighbors, so <laughs> I happen to know one or two things. Okay, so this is a, a famous scripture called the, 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 bene the benediction. And Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he tells them, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God or the love of the Father, and the communion or the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Everybody say amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, um, the first step in understanding how to grow in grace. This is the part where you pay attention. Because remember we said grace is that, listen, listen, grace is supernatural or divine influence on a person's life that affects their outside. So it's divine force. It's divine influence on a person's heart which affects their environment, okay? Talk about people like Samson. There was a divine influence on his spirit which affected his outside. Imagine a person who's able to fight 1,000 trained soldiers. He has never been to a training, but he's able not just to fight them, to kill them, and not using some technology, but using the, 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 the bone, the jaw bone of a donkey. That's grace. That's supernatural. Are you listening to me? You can grow in grace. Look at a man named Daniel in the Bible. The Bible says this guy and his friends were 10 times better than his friends. Meaning the time you get your 100% and you know how people just want to see how you are doing when they've gotten good results. So they, how, no, how are things? They just want to see what you've gotten. If you got 100%, Daniel got 110%. Just so that he can be 10 times more than you. Now the Bible says they picked people who were smart. Young people who were intelligent and could understand stuff. That means those other kids were not dumb. It means they also used to study. It means they were also brains. They were also bookworms. But there was something more about this guy. That's the divine influence on a person's spirit that affects his brain. It affects his, his outside. And you see, you can grow in that grace. There are people, you can't explain it, but they will just always have money. They tapped into something. It's called grace. There are people, they will just always have jobs. It's grace. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in Come grace. on, say it like you believe it. Say, I'm growing in grace. I'm growing in grace. There are people, they will never work so hard for something. You see, when we are called into an office, when we are called, for example, into ministry, it's a grace. He gives us gifts or he makes us gifts according to the grace he gives us. Sometimes the same grace you're looking for in a person, you think, how do they pray? No, the guy just woke up nine visions in one day. It's grace. You, you have to fast to see one vision or half of it. It's grace. And let me tell you something. Sometimes graces, huh, I'll, I'll get to that. I'm already getting into how to grow in grace. Sometimes graces, when I was around my third year, the Holy Spirit gave me a very interesting analogy. I've never shared it, but let me share it today. He says, sometimes grace, graces are like toys which a father buys, one toy different from the other to two different children. And if you want to access the toy that your friend has, you don't go to the father, you go to your friend and say, how do you use this thing? That's why the Bible teaches us to be not just submissive to elders, but to be submissive one to the other. Did you notice something special about your friend? There are certain people in this world, some of them are your neighbors. Did you know that there were actually people who were born in the same womb with Jesus? The fact that you are born from the same womb with someone does not equate you. So you can become familiar with someone and not see what they carry. Because graces are not given according to age. Graces are given according to the sovereignty of God. It's God who decides. Are you listening to me? Shout hallelujah somebody. Hallelujah. When I was in my, when I was in my second year, I led Deacon Flavian to Christ. By the way, that was powerful. I took a lot of notes. He's teaching some amazing stuff. You pay attention to him. That's a great man of God in your midst. 
And so, I was just in my fourth year. I was in my fourth year. There's something he saw in me, Flavia. He used to come wash my clothes. Let me tell you something he's never shared with you and I've never shared before. Flavia would come nearly every Saturday to come wash my clothes. I'm just a fourth year student. What do I have? Nothing. But he saw something that some people didn't see. When I finished school, ask him. He would come home to wash my clothes. That's a humble man. No wonder he can increase in grace like that. The Bible says God gives grace to the what? And I'm not saying this so that you can come wash my clothes. No. Someone will bite you. So, hallelujah, praise God. Now, Jesus is Lord, hallelujah. So, so that window has passed. That window has passed. I've already given you a way in which to acquire grace. Look for people who have have it. There are some things you never acquire from God until you acknowledge that some other guy has it. The Bible says, when Moses laid his hands on Joshua, the spirit of wisdom rested on him. That thing came from Moses. It didn't come from God. It came from God in the first place, but Moses was able to give it. There are some things we carry which make us who we are, which we can release on you and cause a divine influence on your spirit that begins to affect your outside the exact same way and even more that, that, that it affected us. This is why now you begin understanding the principle of impartation and its place. Paul says, I long that I may come to you and impart some spiritual gift in you that you may be established in the faith. He didn't say, I will pray to God to give you. He says, I can give you. Believers need to come to an understanding of the things that Jesus or God has freely given to them. Because sometimes you ask for things you should just use. You ask for things you already have. You just don't have enough faith to appropriate them. So you step into a realm. Of false humility. Because you want to be humble. So um, I'm just begging the Lord to heal me. I'm just believing God to deal with all these family cases. So you don't know what you've been given. So you become a slave of things. But that will not be your portion. Hallelujah. Now, in understanding grace, so what I've given you already, I'll, I'll touch on it, but I've rushed, but what I've given you already is how to grow in grace. Look for people who have what you're looking for. Look, having a man of God like me in your life is God giving you access to a pool of grace? Let me tell you, let me teach you some, let me take you deeper. Somebody say deeper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm about to make a dangerous point. You see, the thing is this. Number one, always remember that the anointing does not lack. You cannot access a grace you do not honor. You cannot access a grace you don't have faith for. Write those two things down. You cannot access a grace you do not honor. And you cannot access a grace you have no faith for. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. Every lady's favorite scripture. But I pray that you graduate from being the lady with the issue of blood to being Peter, doubting if anybody touched Jesus. You are growing closer now, eh? Mm. So you have to graduate. Amen. Amen. Everybody was touching Jesus. And they never put virtue outside, out of Jesus. But there was one touch which drained Jesus. Jesus was drained. He said, who touched me? Peter was like, sir, people have been touching you. 
Peter thought Jesus was joking. I, he said, no, someone touched me. When he said it with a lot of attention, everything around him stopped and there was a woman looking guilty. Because <laughs> she had just touched Jesus. But her touch was not physical. There was some faith that pulled out the grace. That's why the Bible says, by grace through faith. I'm teaching you a principle. That should be Ephesians. By grace through faith, you have been saved. By grace through faith, you have been increased. But that's a principle. It's a general principle. By grace through faith, you've been promoted. By grace through faith, you have been healed. Are you listening to that? So, faith is a tunnel through which we access grace. It's a conduit. Write that down. Faith is a conduit through which we access grace. I don't want you to miss some powerful points, so you can get the podcast. And I ask that let there be at least two people who are dealing with podcasts so that they are consistently available. Are you listening to that? So that woman's face made her access the grace for healing. Number two, honor. Honor is a very complex subject that takes a lot of maturity to accept. That's honor. Because honor can cause offense. Let me tell you some things I've experienced. Sometimes I have parents, oh, let's begin with boyfriends first. <laughs> Sometimes I experience boyfriends getting angry at their girlfriends because of how much... I'm going to start from there. Men are naturally jealous things. <laughs> especially over their woman. They don't want their respect to be shared. So when they notice, I've experienced that with some souls who are already here. They get agitated. Worse more, this happens in marriages. When the woman is very respectful towards the man of God, the husband, because they had an issue in the house, the husband starts saying, eh, kuchech But here you're walking on your, uh, on, your, on, your on, 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 on the tip of your toes. But you see, Here's the difference. The honor that you give a man of God is different from the one that you give your father. It's different from the one that you give your husband or your wife. It is not because somebody is honoring me that they are dishonoring you. It's not because somebody is honoring their man of God. Their honor for their man of God is not the direct cause of their dishonor for a parent. The honor that belongs to Caesar is Caesar's. God doesn't compete with it. So wisdom demands that people must know. All of you, if you get married, and then there's a lot of respect being given to me, but when you go home, you're having your issues. Just sort them out. Don't involve me. <laughs> so you want, no, honestly, so you want me to be disrespected because you had issues with your man friend or your girlfriend or whatever. You get my point? Yeah. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God, period. And it's no more the honor that belongs to a man of God. It's something that the Bible encourages. The Bible says, let them be worthy of double honor. The Bible, now I'm not trying to teach you away from anything. I'm just telling you the Bible teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 1 to honor our parents. And the promise is that we'll live long. But for your man of God, the Bible says they are worthy of double honor. Meaning where you are saying papa once at home, here you should say papa, papa. <clears throat> um, look, if you've got dishonor issues, then you just have dishonor issues. I'm not saying by you doing that, then you are directly disrespecting your parents. No, those, the two relationships are different. By the way, if you're not happy with this teaching, I'm teaching you the scriptures. So you go to God and say, why did you write these things? 
Because what I'm showing is the word of God. Am I telling you my opinions? I'm not telling you my opinions. Don't be hard-hearted. The Bible teaches, listen, listen. If we don't learn to accept the word of God for what it is, we will make it of none effect by our traditions. There's nowhere in the Bible where he says, your first fruit must go to your parents. There's nowhere. There's nowhere in the Bible. The first fruit goes to the priest. That's what the Bible teaches. That does not mean you never give your parents your full salary. Give them, please. It's encouraged. It's wise. But I'm just telling you what the Bible teaches. Please, read the Bible. Don't say, can you imagine what that pastor was teaching? Read. Hallelujah. Obey God, not traditions of men. There's a place for wisdom. You know something? The way the anointing operates, I may even be nice and fun, but the anointing, I may even be kind, but the anointing isn't. I may even be, you can even be WhatsApping me, except pastor, what up? And I may even say, ah, laka. <laughs> but remember Matthew chapter 10, the Bible says, if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive. But if you receive a prophet in the name of a body, you receive a body's reward. Dry jokes. You start seeing a human being in them. Avoid. If you've got the privilege to be very close to the man of God, be wise. Because you must see when he's been a human being <laughs> and you must see when the spirit of God is on him. Hallelujah. That's very important. Honor. The moment you honor, you draw something from the, from the honored. The Bible says, and it's amazing. You see, you cannot give what you don't have. What the Bible teaches about honor in Ephesians 6 verse 1, it's when you give honor to your parents, what parents have, which they will always have above you, is life. They have more years. So when you honor them, you tap into the grace they carry. That's why the Bible does not say you have more money when you honor your parents. No, 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 no. It says you live long. There's a promise to it. Now, the second way, so learn to do all those things. Learn to do, learn to give value. Every time you give value, you see the purpose of value is honor. Hmm. I, I have to stay on course. Money is an expression of, 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 of value. Every time you give money to any cause, you are expressing your value to it. And the amount of money you give as dependent on your capacity also expresses the amount of value you've given. Let me explain that. So, a 2,000 to this one may mean something to the other person. You get my point. That's why I'm saying dependent on your capacity. Nothing expresses the value that your heart places on things more than money. That's why the Bible says, where your treasure is, that's where your heart also is. So if we want to find your heart, where is his heart? Where is her heart? Where is your passion? Where is your attention? Where is your heart? If we are trying to look for your heart, the litmus test is your treasure. So when we find the things you treasure, the things we value, that's where your money also is. That's where your heart is. Amen. Amen. So when God asks that you tithe, he's also asking you to express your value for spiritual things the best way you can. Can you imagine? God wants you to express your value for spiritual things using perishable money. That's such a blessing. Why do you then complain? That's such a blessing. Praise God. Are you learning something? I'm enjoying holding the mic with my left hand for personal reasons. Now, <laughs> amen, praise God. Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Now, hallelujah, praise God. Now, 
The second way, I'm still on the first way of understanding grace. So the first way of understanding grace, as I'm talking to you, you have to learn to honor and to find people who have it. I told you the anointing does not lack. Having a man of God is having access to a pool of grace in different dimensions. Look, you are called very differently from me. But because I was called to be your man of God, it means God has given me the tools to make you what you were called to be, which could even be different from the way I was called. A man of God is a blessing. I'm not exalting the man of God. I'm just teaching you spiritual truth. Hallelujah. When you, read, when you read Hebrews chapter number 7, you find very interesting truths. There was a guy who came from nowhere named Melchizedek. Ever read of him? Came from nowhere. The Bible says no one knows him. The Bible doesn't talk about how rich he was. Yet Abraham, who had the promise of the blessing, the Bible says this guy was rich in gold, in silver, and blah, 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 blah. Abraham was so rich. Yet the Bible says he gave a tenth of everything he had to Melchizedek. And then he goes on to argue that the lesser is blessed of the greater. We are never told of the wealth of Melchizedek. We are only told of the wealth of Abraham. Arguably, Abraham was more wealthy than Melchizedek. But they, then the Bible calls Melchizedek greater than Abraham. Who had nothing. I'm teaching you how to access the blessing. See, the anointing does not lack. The fact that you've given me what I don't have does not make you greater than me. Abraham gave to Melchizedek who didn't have, and yet the Bible still calls Abraham lesser than Melchizedek because the Bible says the lesser is blessed of the greater. And Melchizedek blessed Abraham who was already blessed of God. Hallelujah. I'm not, teach, I'm not teaching you this to want things from you. No. God has been supplying my needs well. I've, I'm well taken care of. But I'm teaching you spiritual truth. Shout hallelujah. So learn these things. Very important. So one way in which to grow, how to grow in grace, look for people who already have it. You can just tell. You can just tell. The person may be younger than you. How come they were able to do that and that and that and that? How are they something? Stop talking ill about them. You know one strange thing I discovered about people who gossip? They smile in your face. They even miss you. It's, it's a strange animal gossip. It's very strange. I think maybe those are people who best with the, the phrase fake people. You know, I was talking to someone and I was wondering what, when people say at a, this year I don't want fake friends. Like, people who are fake are like, like, yeah, us, we are fake. Like, I don't know. Like, ah, you say? Yeah. Like, fake people just like, they are aware they are fake. Because I saw someone put up on their status, me, next year, no fake people. So I, I try to imagine how fake people look like. Imagine like they are coming at. <laughs> Don't look at me like this. I'm an image. I'm a passage. You can't see me. What you are seeing is not what you are seeing. Then they turn at fake. <laughs> then it disappears. Why? Because it was fake. The other way in which to increase in grace is to understand the dispensation in which you are living. And now this is very powerful. This is very powerful. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh, okay. Praise God. This is very powerful. One other way in which to increase in grace, the divine influence on a person's heart, 
You see, after this teaching, some of you are going to grow in your own grace. There are some of you, God created you to be a businessman. Sometimes you find Messi doesn't train more than some other footballers train. But there's just something about the guy when he just holds the ball. Everyone goes into a panic who's on the other side. It's grace. It's an example. Yeah. Even in sports, there are some people who are graced. Even in drawing, even in art, there are people who are graced. So in your own special way in which God called you, after this teaching, something will shift on your spirit. There will be a divine influence on you. Suddenly you can sell 1,000 cookies in one day. Listening to me. Shout hallelujah. Suddenly you chose at 100%. percent ka signi menti. Kachoka 100%. Yeah. Suddenly to my dose to avulika avulika to my dose. Ukubale fwa ka supply ka supply this side ka supply. You know. How did you do it? The best answer is I don't know. How? Because how do you explain grace? Something just begins to shift. Everybody just likes you and they think, you know, we are calling you for a job interview at Fringilla. Your Fringilla is about to open up. (laughs) Hallelujah, somebody. Yeah. Say, I'm walking in grace. I'm increasing in grace. Receive grace for 2020 in the name of Jesus. You know, I'm so tempted right now to give you the theme for 2020. I reject. Now, one way... One other way to grow in grace, like I was saying, is to understand the dispensation under which you are. Now, in a spiritual order, there has been different dispensations since creation. Okay? There is the pre-divine dispensation because the Bible says, before the beginning was, God was there. That means God was living in a realm before the beginning. Because the Bible says, in the beginning, God created. So, where was God in the beginning? He preceded the beginning. How is that possible? Kai, that's why he's God. He's a mystery. So, God was living in a realm. And then he said, let me create the beginning. Then he created the beginning. And then, in the beginning, God created. Yeah. Then in the beginning, God created. He arrived in the beginning after creating it. And he began to create. So there was the pre-divine. And then there's the beginning. Now, in the beginning, we believe there is what we call the pre-Adamic era. And the pre-Adamic era is supposedly the era in which also dinosaurs lived okay I, we can prove that through scripture in another day when we start talking about creation and then uh, in that period that was also when we had the fall of lucifer and it is believed that when lucifer fell to the earth when he was cast down there was such confusion and destruction that happened on the earth that the earth became void and formless That's why the Bible says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Then verse 2 is a picture of disorder because it says, and the earth was void and it was without form. And the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep or the waters. How is it that the God who is perfect and creates a perfect heaven and earth suddenly has got a void and formless structure existing? It is because in between verse 1 and verse 2 of, of Genesis, there was a lot that happened. Also, as you may know, the fossils of some of the earliest dinosaurs, as discovered by archaeologists, have been existent millions of years. It has been proved. But then, the earliest bone of a human being ever discovered was just six, is just 6,000 years old. 
That tells you that the era of dinosaurs existed before the human being existed. And so God said, let there be light. Now, the word let comes from a Hebrew word, which is a permissive word and not a creative word, depending on the angle that you are looking at it. So when God says, let there be light, that darkness left the sun and the sun came into existence the second time. Because when Satan fell, that's what is called the ice age. He came and destroyed everything that ever was on the face of the earth. And then there was an ice that covered the earth and the dinosaurs died and everything died. So when God was arguably recreating the earth, he went to a side of the earth and said, on that end, let there be light. And that's what we call the Garden of Eden. So there was a part of it first that God began to form. So when the human being was coming, Satan had already fallen. But he was outside the parameters of Eden. And God gave Adam dominion over Satan. Where, was Satan. where did Satan come from? He was already existent. Because he had already fallen. Alright. So, there is the pre-Adamic world and then there is the Adamic world. And after the Adamic world now comes the, 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 the fall of man. Very sad story. Okay, so there is the fall of man that now comes. Those are dispensations. And every dispensation has had its own expression of grace. I'm about to make a dangerous point. Are you following me? <laughs> okay. So there is the fall of man. And after the fall of man, now comes, I, I call it the Noah generation. Now, in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the generation of Noah, that was when the time that sin began to dominate. It was also the era of sin. I'm going somewhere with this. In that period, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter number 5, I think when you read from verse 12, that through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, right? So the first thing that entered the world was sin. And then when sin has expressed itself, the next thing that comes is death, because sin is the mother of death. Sin conceives death. Desires conceive sin, and when sin has grown and conceived, it conceives and gives birth to death. So where there is sin, death also abounds. But then he goes on to say that this sin only reigned between Adam and Moses. Okay, we're reading Romans chapter number five. Sin or death, okay? He says death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why doesn't it say it reigned? up to Christ. Why does it specifically state that death reigned from Adam to Moses? There's something the Bible is trying to teach us there. Are you showing the scripture? Good. Okay. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why was death reigning? Death was only reigning or ruling because sin was abounding. Are you listening to me? The only way in which death has access from a scriptural point of view is when sin is present. Forget everything you know. I want you to learn this. Forget everything you know. Forget all death is natural. This is, forget everything. Let's look at the Bible. Then afterwards you can fight the thoughts. <laughs> Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to? Now, when, 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 when sin came, death also came. And in that period, what used to happen was this. People did not have an understanding of what sin was. Because sin was not just an act. Sin was a nature. So somebody would just be insulting the God who punished them. And it would be unfair because why are you punishing me? I just insulted. They don't know that it's a sin. Are you listening to me? Because it's not an act. And the Bible further says that <clears throat> sin cannot be charged where there is no law. So when people were sinning outside their knowledge of what sin is, sinning from nature and getting punished, there was an unfair punishment which was happening to them, not to God, because to God, sin is what it is. And when it, 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 it's done, the Bible says, the soul that sins is the soul that shall die. But then these people did not understand what it was because it was coming naturally to them. So what God did is that 
he introduced the law. And the purpose of the law was for people to come to an understanding of what sin is. That's what Paul preaches. Paul says the purpose of the law was so that you can come to an awareness of sin. Now, the moment <clears throat> that the law is introduced, sin no longer just becomes a nature, but becomes an act. Because the moment you transgress that law, you did something. So you broke a law, you transgressed a law, and therefore you sinned. Okay, um, let, me, let me take it easy. I'm trying to rush through this because there's somewhere I'm trying to, to take you. <clears throat> Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Okay, so the Bible is teaching from Romans chapter number 5 verse 12 that death reigned from Adam to Moses. Why did it stop at Moses? This is what I'm trying to lead you to. So why it stopped is because of this reason. The law in itself is holy. It's perfect. That's what Paul teaches in Romans chapter number 7. It's spiritual. But the thing is, the law is given to people who have a weakness inside them. The law itself is perfect. It's holy. It's got no fault. When you read Hebrews chapter number 7, the Bible says the law made nothing perfect. I think it should be Hebrews 7 verse 19. It's not because it was in itself unable to make things perfect, but it's because it was given to people who can't receive the word of God. So they cannot work the law and work themselves through the law unto perfection. When you read Romans chapter number 8 from the Amplified, it says the law failed to do what it was supposed to do because of sinful flesh. The law was not designed to make anything perfect. It was designed to bring man to an awareness of who it is. That I'm a sinner and I need somebody to save me. That's why the Bible also calls the law a schoolmaster unto Christ. That means the law was there to guard you unto Christ who will lead you not just from the act of sin, but would remove the nature of sin and put in you the, richer, the nature of righteousness so that now you may have the capacity to obey the word of God without struggle or the law of God without struggle. Ah. There are some people, here's, here's the second function of the law. The second function of the law was to stop sin. Although it couldn't, it means the people who were able to obey the law would live outside sin because sin had been reduced from not just being a nature to being an act. That's by God's mercy. So the people who were able to obey the law were able to circumvent sin. And the people who were able, listen to this, to circumvent sin were also able to escape death. Because sin, death does not have expression unless sin is available. And sin is not sin until a law has been transgressed. So if you have not transgressed a law, it means you have not sinned. And if you have not sinned, it means death will not have an expression in you. So those who are able to obey and follow the law well, who are able to defeat death. Now, when I talk about death, I'm not just talking about falling. I'm talking about those four dimensions of death I explained to you earlier, right? I talked to you about miseries that come. I talked to you about uh, uh, separation from God. I talked to you about a number of things. But also, the people who are able to follow the law for what it is could be seen in the longevity of their lives. Listen, there is power in obeying the law. There's power in obeying the law in this context, the word of God. Because when you read Proverbs chapter number four, the Bible teaches that the word of God is life unto your flesh. Many people think the word of God is just life unto your spirit. No, there's more to it. He says the word of God is life unto your flesh. It's life unto your head. It's life unto your lungs. It's life unto your blood. It's life unto your bones. The word of God is life to your flesh. It brings life to your flesh. And look, you need to come to an understanding of that. Because if you don't come to a conviction, a clear conviction of that, you will always be dependent on medicine and you will always think that God is just a well-wishing thing you refer to. 
No, by God's grace, we are going to be well. Then you take your medicine. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with medicine. But what I'm telling you is that the word of God is also medicine to your flesh. Do you have that scripture? Show me, show it to me. Oh, by the way, I'm still showing you scriptures. Look at that, go up. What does it say? Everybody read with me. No, 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 go up. Uh-huh, one, two, three, go. It's getting deeper now. Why is he telling you to pay attention? You will pay attention. Pay attention to what you are being taught. So he says, why is he telling you? Pay attention. You have to listen to this one. Why is he telling you that? He gives a reason. For they are what? And what? To all their spirit? Flesh. Mm. You have to grow a clear conviction that your life is in the word of God. When we talk about sticking to the word of God, we are not just trying to tell you some theory or some new Pentecostal arrangement of how the new Christianity is now becoming. No. The Bible says you have been born not of a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible of the word of God. It's your birth source. You are born out of the word of God. Whatever gives birth to you sustains you. If you if you limit your birth only to your parents who are flesh and blood, it means only flesh and blood has to keep you alive. Only flesh and blood has to keep you prosperous. And you know, for some people, it's not because they don't believe this. It's because they've compartmentalized God. They have said, I think for me, God, I believe he can give me a job. I believe he can give me a good wife. But when it comes to health, ah, I'm not sure. Me, these things, they are too logical. So, they... They have, come, they, 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 they have said, they've told God, you can come this far. You, you can come this far. I mean, we are cool like that. But when you go this closer, I mean. Hallelujah. You have to believe the gospel in full. The whole thing, man. The word of God is life unto my bones. Jesus Christ said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Every word, that spoken word, not just the logos, the counsel of the full counsel of God, but the word which proceeds out of his mouth, not which is in the book. See, your life is in the word you speak. Satan is not afraid of the of the of the word you are receiving and you are keeping in your chest. No, he's afraid of that thing that's coming out of your mouth. That thing cuts him down. The wisdom is in what's written, but the power is in what's spoken. The Bible says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, if anyone is thirsty, let them come and drink and they'll never thirst again. That crying, a 30-year-old man crying like that over what sounds like it's not making sense is a result of his passion and faith. He knows what he's talking about is right. Why am I stressing? Why am I talking to you the way I'm talking to you with a lot of passion? I believe this stuff. I don't know about you. I believe this stuff. It has worked for me. It has kept me alive. It has kept me in the path of God ever since I was seven. Just because you were called from your mother's womb doesn't mean you can call yourself into the world. You can call yourself. You start seeing to my things like that, you are strong. You turn your left, you see them again. Ah! You see them again. Ah. <laughs> you are sitting like this. Then you come out and you call yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but if you decide this is the course I'm going to take, listen to me, Natasha, your friend, uh, Andrea, all those guys, Marble, Macroy, all those young adults, there is, no, there is no vision of this life where you test the world. It's tasteless. Because the Bible says you are the salt of the world. 
So you are the one who's supposed to add taste to the thing, not the other way around. Why are you trying to taste the thing that's tasteless? If we are saying put salt, it means it lacks taste, although it looks nice. They may put onion, tomato, but if it, it doesn't have salt, it's tasteless. So you are the salt of the world. Don't taste things that are tasteless. Shout hallelujah. hallelujah. I decided this is a path, Bagamba. No turning back. Those are the songs we used to sing back in the day. No turning back, back, back. No turning back. Go, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before, the world behind, the world behind, the cross before. Those are the songs we used to sing back in the day. Hallelujah. Yeah, so that's what the word of God is able to do. It keeps you on course. Sometimes it's a reason why you don't have that fervency to do godly things. Because you don't have the passion that is birthed from the word of God. That's why you need time to pray. Because it gives you a fire. A desire to do right. A passion to love others. To talk to someone about the word of God. Why are you lacking that passion? Because you lack the spoken word of God. You know it, it's here. Like a mathematical equation. But of what use is it when you learn about the thorax and the abdomen? How are you going to use it practically? You have to practice it for it to make sense. I don't even know how. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. So, what the law does, or what the word of God does, the law is also part of the word of God. It means it would give life to everybody who would follow it. It would give course of direction to those who would follow it. Let me show you something. There are people who follow the law. Ah, and you see, you are in a better covenant than that of the law. Give me Judges chapter number 2, verse 7. Let me show you something. Twenda na yesu. Twenda na yesu. Twenda na yesu. Oh, twenda na yesu. Listen to this. The Bible says, So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. What will be said of your days? So the people struggled when she was president. So there was a hunger when she was prime minister. When he was leader, there was disorganization. When she was made department head, everything stopped moving. What will be said of you? When she became the general manager, there was such order in the company. When he became their leader, there was such sin and fleshlessness. Oh, you've never met leaders like that. But look, it will be said of you. In the days, yeah. come on, so let's read then. Yeah. Uh, you see, you have to learn to locate yourself in the Bible. Yeah. One, two, three, go. Hallelujah. Yeah. Let's try it one more time with more confidence this time. One, two, three, go. Somebody scream. Yeah. For some, it will be said, so the people were shocked after all the days of her as a boss because they never even knew she was a leader in church. You see, that's how they will be shocked. <laughs> Have you ever found people with, ah, this one is a believer. They're, ah, uja <laughs> will be the first ones to enter heaven. Because yeah. you are amazed. <laughs> All the days you spent with someone, they never knew because you were ashamed of the gospel. You knew they couldn't add you to, your, to their WhatsApp group. 
if you, if you say Jesus is Lord and you became radical about your faith, you are afraid you will lose your friend. You are, you are afraid you will fall. Hmm, what if I fall? What will they, will they accept me back? You are too conscious of, of manly approval. You want to be approved by human beings. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says, anybody who loves his parents, his friends, thank you, more than me is not, worth, is not worthy of me. But you're not that guy. Amen. You are a chosen generation. Amen. A radical people. Amen. Yeah. You know those people you call satanists, they don't argue, they tell them, go kill that old bus. They go. He will tell you, pray from zero one to zero two. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> You can't. But you minutes. Afterwards, I'm a series. Social media going through WhatsApp messages. No one has even texted you. You are single. Although your boyfriend is even sleeping. Or you argued, but you are just there looking for the next message. Pray! I hope I'm not being biased. I addressed all areas, eh? <laughs> Hallelujah. Fervency. Fire. See, I will tell you this in your hearing. As for me and my house, we will save the Lord. 35 years from now, you will find me on fire, preaching like it's fresh. I've seen it the past 20 years of my life. I'm not letting this thing go. I've arrived. In Christ, there's no need to travel again because you've arrived. Somebody said, Tafika. Tafika. Oh, where are you going? <laughs> oh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. The sort of the world. That will never be your portion. Hallelujah. Get me back to Judges. There's something. Oh, sorry. I was about to show you a dangerous point. Get me back to that scripture. You have to follow this. This is powerful. The Bible says, And all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua. Okay, that's our power team. Just allow them to, to settle down powerful team, Sunday school. Listen to that. All the days of the, who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Go on. Now, notice. Okay, I'll show you. I'll show you something. Are you following? Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died when he was 110 years old. That's a good old age. Stop there. The Bible says, in the days of Joshua, <clears throat> the people served the Lord. How? Their dispensation, sorry about that, their dispensation in serving the Lord, it means they obeyed the law. This is why we just allow leaders to be Sunday. <laughs> it means they served the Lord. In the Old Testament, what is the definition of serving the Lord? It means you are obedient to the law. No wonder they outlived Joshua. Meaning when they followed the law, they avoided sin. And since, and since death only enters through sin, they were just not going to die anyhow. No wonder they outlived Joshua, who died at 110 years old. So if the elders outlived Joshua, how old did they live? Listen, the word of God is life to your flesh. But we've got a greater law. Hi. There's, there's something I want to show you. It, 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 it's about to come. It's about to come. You learn something. You know what? Let's end here. Next week, I'm going to show you. No, 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 because I've run out of time. Next week, 
I am going to show you the difference in the expression of grace in the Old Testament and the New Testament and its significance towards your life. How many want to live long? This is powerful. Ah, let's stand, let's stand. Hallelujah, somebody.